Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the No Laying Up podcast. Back, I believe, for the third time, but it's been about six months. Formerly of the Back Nine Network and of Yahoo Sports, it's Shane Bacon himself. Shane, the world is dying to know how excited you are for the Houston Open this weekend. I can't wait. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a bummer, really, right? I mean, how? what can you do to – I mean, you know, it's like, it's like having a cute date – and going to, like, Mila Kunis' birthday party, you know? You're like, well, it's a bummer for the cute date. I mean, Mila Kunis is going to steal the show. I would still say, like, to the Houston Open, like, you knew what this was. Like, you knew it. You knew what you were getting into here, okay? You knew signing up for that, that week right before the Masters. You knew exactly what this was. It's actually a pretty good field, though. I mean, I like to make fun of this event just because I, I have complete apathy for any regular events at this, knowing what's on the horizon next week. But it's a, it's a really good field. I mean, does Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler, like, do they say no? Like, I feel like they do everything. Like, I, every time I look, it's like Spieth's playing. And every, like, media thing or every obligation or every time there's, like, four golfers involved, it seems like Ricky Fowler's one of them. I mean, uh, maybe it's one of those let's get it while we can. And then, you know, when you turn 33, you just can kind of relax and lay around in your gold coins. I'm not complaining. I mean, I'd rather them go that route than the Adam Scott mm-hmm. route where we see him 15 times a year. I agree. I think that's probably true. And I think Spieth knows that, uh, obviously, momentum's going his way. I think, uh, I mean, what do you think? I mean, the big the big uh, question always around this time is uh, playing the week before. I mean, is this a, a smart move? I mean, it's it's really hard for us to say because, of course, we'd say we'll play whenever we can. But um, it's one of those, I wonder if, uh, the Mickelson route's the right one, or if, if taking a little bit of time resting and, and, and getting ready for Augusta is uh, mentally is the right way to go? I don't think there's a special formula. I think it depends person to person, and I don't think that... I mean, I, Phil's taken both routes, hasn't he, if I remember right? I mean, in history, Phil's basically tried everything in preparation for any events, but... I mean, I'm not sure there's like a prescribed formula. I'm sure somebody's analyzed like these players that play the week before do better and these players that take three weeks off leading up to it do better. But, I mean, it's all about – these guys know their own game. It's about getting getting their game in. I mean, sometimes like playing a different golf course right before, you know, it, 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 it may not help you to play at Houston. Like I know they try to shave the banks and get the greens rolling fast to try to make it similar to Augusta. That doesn't mean you're playing the same kind of shots. I mean, I personally think I if I was – if I was a professional golfer, I'd want to be spending as much time at Augusta as possible, just practicing, learning, and the more rounds you play there, even if it's not in a tournament condition, I would think it would have to help you, right? Well, okay, so then that brings us to the first time we talk about Tiger Woods. Um, so, three minutes. Tiger we, we made playing three minutes, a practice round at Augusta. That was that, that an amazing segue? Um, the first, so he flies to Augusta or whatever and plays 18 holes or whatever, um, as was reported. I mean... The guy needs to play tournament golf. So to me, going to Augusta for somebody like Tiger Woods and playing a practice round with nobody around um, isn't necessarily helping him get prepared, in my opinion, um, for what happened earlier in the season and what happened kind of last season. I mean, to me, him being out there uh, between ropes with people watching and observing and and cameras and other players and there being a leaderboard, um, to me, that is what I feel like would be helpful for Tiger and there's a lot of people that have said, you know, he needs to get rest, he needs to take time off. But for me, I mean, I believe that if he would, if he's really going to play next week, which who knows at this point, but if he's really going to play next week, playing this week and playing last week would be way more beneficial than to him fly to Augusta and play a practice round. Yeah, I mean, I kind of disagree just because personally, I feel like the the people and the pressure of tournament golf doesn't really phase Tiger. Um, I feel like. He just has needed time to practice his game and get just overall reps. I don't think it. I don't think it's like the pressure of a tournament that was causing him to blade and chunk chips. I think he seriously has some fundamental or mental issues 
with his with his short game and with his golf swing in general too. I mean, that's the kind of thing that was overshadowed shadowed by his bad chipping was how bad he hit the ball on Phoenix in San Diego too. So I just felt like he needed to some time off to just focus on what he could work on instead of you know trying to post a score or trying to compete. But I mean, I. I there's so many tiger theories out there that we don't know the guy. I don't know what his body feels like. It's all, it's all so hypothetical that I I hesitate to even wade into those waters, but I mean, everyone's going to have a tiger take. Well, like, I mean, I, I really truly 100% and, and and I'm not a tiger hater at all. I'm the opposite. I mean, I've been a bigger, big tiger defender um, for years, simply saying, um, you know, look at what he's done at at PGA tour tournaments. Look at all the wins he's accumulated, you know, a couple of years ago and the year before. Um, I kind of wish he. I hope he doesn't play. I really don't. I I don't want the Tiger Circus to go and overshadow um, what could be an amazing Masters. I mean, the window we have for TV viewing at Augusta, if you're not there, is so small that Tiger being involved. I mean, we miss out on all these amazing golf shots, other players, other storylines. I mean, there's so many good storylines going into this Masters. The Tiger being out there, and realistically. I don't think there's anybody in the world that thinks Tiger can actually compete in this thing considering the way we've seen him play and how much time he's t- taken off. So to me, him going just takes a little bit away from the actual golf going on because, frankly, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, you know, Ravel won't agree, but it's been a pretty <laughs> fun, you know, 2015 on the PGA Tour. And I think this Masters could be a good combination of all that coming together with Jimmy and, and Jordan Spieth and Rory and, and Ricky going for a major and, uh, you know, all the things that are happening – um, I want to watch good golf. I don't want to watch somebody go around chunking golf shots. I totally agree. I've been kind of uh, saying the same thing. But the more I think about it, the more it's kind of like you're going to like a party with like a new girlfriend, say. And Tiger's like the ex-girlfriend. And you keep telling people like, oh, I don't even, I don't even care if Tiger's going to be there. I don't care if my ex is going to be there. But then right before it, you're still really curious as to whether or not Tiger's going to be there, or your ex is going to be there. Like, I still, I, it's going to be a train wreck if he does go, and I think it's going to be a complete mockery. And I, like, for those exact reasons you said, like, it's going to steal so much attention away from a lot of good things that are going on. But I mean, if he's if he's gonna, I told this to Ashley Mayo a couple weeks ago. If he's gonna top, if I knew he was going to top twenty five, I'd say bring him. Let's do it. I mean, I, well, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, but we don't know I that mean, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I, that's such a big if. Oh, I know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I. I don't want to. I don't want to watch him. I, mean, get, just, I don't know, want to get watch him get in the courtesy car on Friday afternoon withdrawing. I just don't want to see that. I want to. I want to celebrate this tournament for its greatness. And and you know, the the point I I made and I was I was on a Travis Rogers radio show a couple of days ago and he was asking about Tiger. Of course, obviously everybody does. But um, you know, you know, my point is the game we saw, um, as rusty as it was, as terrible as the short game was. To me, this is like the last venue you want to go and try to test that stuff out in front of millions of people because, I mean, this is a golf course that exposes the best short games in the world, you know? So a guy coming here, I mean, you don't really have to hit the ball amazing to get around Augusta National, but if you're not chipping and putting well, I mean, if he chips like he did, he's going to shoot 85. I mean, yeah. you know, and, I, and that's, not a, that's not an exaggeration. I mean, he, he's literally going to shoot like 13 or 14 over par because, you. I mean, if you don't – if you're not – Hitting them perfectly around the green. If you're not nipping those chips and having the spin, proper spin, and all that stuff, the balls are going to roll into areas that you're going to make double bogeys. And uh, and that to me is, is the reason that guys normally win the Masters. Their short games are in, in best possible condition. I mean, Bubba Watson hits the ball far, sure, but his short game is amazing. And I mean, that's why he does so well here is because he can hit the ball out there and then get the ball around the hole when he's missed greens. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see i just can't imagine that his mindset is anywhere close to like thinking that he can compete you know like like actually be competitive and how many times have we heard tiger say why would i show up at a tournament unless i think i could win it blah blah blah. i'm here to win it and like wouldn't that just be like he's not saying that right now first of all and i if he does commit to this tournament i can't picture him with a microphone in front of his face with a straight face saying that he thinks he can win. So that's why I just, I, I'm curious as to why he's even entertained the idea. I didn't think there was a chance he was going to play the practice round. Think makes me think that he does, but I mean, where, where, your pick, right? We're recording this on Wednesday, the week before the masters. Do you think he plays or do you think he doesn't? I think if he, if he was going to play, he would have already announced. I think the fact that he was at Augusta, um, he's leaning into that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday time where he doesn't really like to make announcements. I think that if, 
if he if he was going to if he went to Augusta and said I, I'm I'm ready I'm I'm ready to do this I think there would have been something that came out on a you know before this Shell Houston Open got going so I think no but I mean I mean if he doesn't play here when's he going to play that that's my other question yeah I mean. I don't. I, it would be such a horrible indictment of his game, and it would op- honestly open more questions than it would if he like, if he goes out and shoots eighty five, eighty five. I honestly think that's still better than him running away. Basically, it's it's safe to say it. He's running away scared from the Masters if he doesn't show up. He's just electing not to play in a tournament. We all know his goal is to win, you know, nineteen majors. He's just electing not to play in a tournament despite being healthy. By all, I haven't heard a thing about his back. I don't think he's unhealthy. If he just elected not to play in a tournament like that, that honestly like that hurts his legacy in my mind. Like that would that would be such a I don't want to say cowardly move, but I'll say cowardly move. Like you can't <laughs> you can't go and practice there and be fully healthy and filter out news that you shot a worst ball sixty six, which I don't right. even know what that means. You can't filter that news out there, go practice there, and then not show up. So I think he's playing. He's going to do it, and we're going to do this circus. And I'm gonna make fun of people for doing it, and I'm gonna get sucked right into it as well. So, and, and why is it, why is anyone leaking any positive news about his golf game? Like, why is Tiger's camp saying he's playing great? Because it's the exact same thing as what happened in Phoenix in Torrey. Before those tournaments, all we heard about was how healthy he was. The moment he gets to the tournaments, he's grabbing his back. I mean, I don't. Why would you say anything? That's my point. Is just don't say anything. Just avoid any storyline possible. Say. Yeah, you know, he's feeling ready to play. He wants to get back out there and compete, period. That's what I would say if I was his camp. I wouldn't mention anything about how good he's playing because all that's setting yourself up for is is something bad to happen. I mean, if he's – and then he shoots 80 and you go, oh, well, he shot 66 worst ball, which nobody ever plays, by the way. Worst ball means you played by yourself at medalist, which is kind of lame anyway. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, what are you – What are you? why are they doing this? I, I my, my mind just gets – I just – oh, man, it – it's just crazy. I, I don't understand a lot of the stuff that goes on with those guys. Um, and I don't want to spend, obviously, the whole time talking about Tiger Woods. But um, I definitely think it's addressable just because, I mean, he, you know, it is such a question mark. And I think uh, either way, like you said, I, I really believe this. This is my point on Tiger. I think that his best chance at winning a major for the rest of his career is the British Open. Mm-hmm. I think the best course for that to happen is St. Andrews. I mean, he's won there two times. He doesn't have to hit the ball great. Um so I think he circles that on his calendar this year and focuses his entire game around that. And, and I really believe that because, you know, he hasn't won at Augusta since 2005. He's been in the hunt a couple times, but never really in the hunt. You know, never really like a putt on 18 to make a playoff or something like that. So um, to me, it's it's focus on July. Get your game and health and, and mind right for the British Open because to me, that's his best chance moving forward, uh, you know, for the next 11 years of his career. Yep. Okay, I'm ready to transition if you are. Okay, let's do it. Okay, I have a great hypothetical question for you that I got in response to my mailbag I posted this week. And the guy that posted it, he and I already disagree on this, so I'm I'm curious to hear your take. He wants to hear other people's take as well. But his hypothetical question is, he has a friend um, that went on a buddy's golf trip last year. 16 guys, ranging from about a 2 handicap all the way to 18, most of them around a 12 to 15 handicap. Okay? And he says that these 16 guys... Already, this is already too much math, but keep going. Well, so 16 guys, medium handicaps. There, how about that? He gotcha. says that <laughs> 16 guys playing in a scramble would win the Masters. And the guy, Andy, the guy that posted it, said, I don't think they would sniff the cut and they'd be reaching for the eject button by number 11 on Thursday. Where do you th- Could 16 medium handicappers make the cut at the Masters if they were playing a scramble? Or I mean, or could they compete for the title? Sixteen guys. Right, that's I what mean, I said. <laughs> sixteen guys hitting. Sixteen guys hitting golf. Show. Like I mean, they're hitting every green, right? They're hitting every fairway and every green. They have to be. You I mean, if you're to. a twelve handicap, you have to. So uh, the sixteen guys, there's probably let's say three or four guys that can hit it around two eighty. You know, there's probably a couple of guys that can get it out there. Um, you've probably got a couple guys that can just kind of bun it. But you have to have a couple of those guys that are like terrible ball strikers but can putt well, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of players. I think they'd compete. I mean, I, I don't understand how – I mean, I I know my uncle, who's probably a 12 to 14 handicap, when they play in four-man scrambles, you know, for, for his work or something like that, and they're all similar handicaps, they'll shoot under par. Yeah. And, I mean, at this point, I, I think under par 
uh, does well at Augusta. I think, I mean, if the course plays the way they want it, a three under par round four days in a row, it's never been done before to begin with, but I think that wins it. Yeah, I think my, my, my he's, his point was, that how are they going to hold a green with hitting three woods and five irons into it? But I, you've you got 16 guys hitting the ball. You're never making a bogey. You can't make, I don't see how you can make a bogey. Right, I agree with that. I agree with that point. Let's say it would you, be really hard for you to make a bogey. Your worst, let's say your worst approach shot that you end up having to take is still going to be somewhat close to the green, and you have sixteen chances to get it up and down. Like, I, don't, right. I think you'd run away with the tournament. Well, well, well really, I mean, you, you have you have thirty two chances because you have sixteen chances to chip it close, yeah. and if you only chip it to ten feet, then you have sixteen chances to make a ten footer. Um, you're never going to lose a ball. You're never no. going to get a ball in the lake. I mean, it's yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that they would definitely, definitely contend. And to be fair, it'd probably be similar pace to what the PJ Tour is now in the sense of pace of play. You had sixteen dudes playing a scramble. <laughs> I love that question. I think it's a fantastic question. But I, I actually think that they would run away with the tournament. I think they win by ten shots. It, it would be. You know how nervous they would be on like seventeen and eighteen, though. I mean, if it was close, like if it was kind of close, and they're playing like Bubba, these sixteen guys. My other question: Would they dress the same, like those father-son scrambles? Like, would they dress the same clothes? They would have to. I would make them. That'd be a yeah, rule. Definitely. I, I think we should propose this to Billy Payne as, oh, as, as a new format. Do they're doing a drive, chip, and putt. Like, what, this would be this would be more exciting. Drive, chip, and putt. Uh, hacker edition. Yeah, uh, we want. Whatever champion on Tuesday after the Masters, the champion plays um, 16, 12 handicaps at Augusta. Set it up at Augusta Country Club. It's fine. Come on, Golf Channel. Let's do this. Let's do it. Um, all right. So what do you think? What is your uh, opinion on Rory's chances? I, I think uh, he's obviously the favorite going into it. He's not had the ideal start um, within the U.S. so far this year. I want to know what your, what your theories or thoughts are on where Rory's game is, what his chances are. You know, I'd be surprised if he won. Really, I, I I would be surprised if he won. I, I really don't think he's playing well enough to win. Um, I think this is the hardest major for him to win. Um, and uh, I would I would be I I don't have him. Um, if I had to fill out five names, I don't think that he'd be one of them. Really, oh, wow. I, I just I um I mean he's he's he plays you know well enough to finish in the top eleven at this point when he's not playing great. But for whatever reason, I feel like Augusta brings out. Um, the high number marks of his golf game, especially. Um, I just think there's other guys that I think the confidence level right now is at a all time high. And I, Patrick I would Reed. probably put, yeah, I would probably put well, always, always. Patrick Reed thinks he drives better than you. Um, but yeah, no, I think, uh, I think there's four or five guys I would put ahead of him, you know, uh, guys like Jimmy Walker and, and, uh, and Jordan. And, you know, you mentioned Patrick and I think, uh, I think, uh, Oosthuizen's playing really well. And I think he's got a great chance. And obviously, I mean, you know, Bubba is the favorite of Augusta every year. In my I know. I, I mean, I, I really believe it. I know you hate it, but no, he really is the favorite. It's accurate. Like I just, I've been, I look for the positives from everyone else, and then I just every, you know, every day or two, I sit and think, like, damn it, it's probably going to be Bubba again. There's not a reason why it won't be him. There's really not, and he's kind of sliding a little bit under the radar again. Like he did last year. I mean, I had forgotten about him going into it last year just because he's he, won two of the last three, and nobody talks about him. And also, Las Vegas is amazing, amazing. Uh, I mean, if anybody at sports, they know how good they are at, at setting lines. But Bubba should be the favorite every year. I can't believe Augusta doesn't do this. I mean, you know, he's won two of the last three, and if his game is even in B level shape, he's going to be in contention, in my opinion, simply because the golf course couldn't set up better for him. Yeah, it's the way I kind of look at odds at times. Is like. He's ten to one right now on Sportsbook. So, do I think he has better than a ten percent chance to win this week? I would say so. And I also yeah. think if they were to play this tournament ten times, I mean, maybe this may be the same question. If they were to play this tournament ten times, do I think he would win it once? Absolutely. Like right. Absolutely. But I also have bets on like thirty-eight other guys. I think currently at the moment. <laughs> so I'm not sure if I want to extend myself any further. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to go with a ten to one long shot when you have Ryan Moore for four hundred. Um, <laughs> Every time that there is a player that has had somewhat success success at Augusta, like maybe like two or three good holes, and they've been climbing up a leaderboard on Sunday, I've gone on and bet on them before their odds change. So yeah, I have I have basically 
the entire morning wave of Thursday tea times, uh, some kind of ticket on, on. I think I even have a. Uh, I don't even know his first name. What's the Irish Lowry he's got? Shane Lowry? Shane Lowry, right, yeah. You should know that first name. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have him at 250 to 1 in one of my bets. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the the other crazy number is always Cabrera. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. always crazy that he's not, like, 30 to 1. You know, I mean, I know that he doesn't win a lot of tournaments in the, for that matter, but I, I, I do feel like once he gets – I he seems a little Phil Mickelson-y to me. I mean, he gets a little bit – disinterested when he's not in contention but if he's there he gets really locked in so uh you know it always scares me that he's gonna get uh that mentality on like a late saturday push and then you're gonna go oh great cabrera's gonna win a third major well it's all he's either all in or nothing i mean and that's right. that's fine when i'm betting on somebody i don't want somebody that you know it's whenever i bet on like kuchar or someone that always ha- tends to hang around the lead and doesn't Maybe doesn't convert as many opportunities as he should. I'd rather you just hit the eject button and show complete right. disinterest than you know than lead me on at that point. It was it was like uh, 18 minutes left in the Arizona game the other day, and I went, "Well, we're not going to win this one." <laughs> it's like at least I can already set myself up for knowing that. Oh, I'm sorry, Wisconsin. I'm sorry. I'm a West Virginia fan. What time do you think? Oh. I, what time do you think I pressed the eject button in that Kentucky game? Uh, you, I know, I know, you are not in the United States right now, so I would say if you did wake up. Uh, you probably went directly back to sleep after you looked at that number. I, so I told a couple people. Uh, so I, I set, the game tipped off at 2.45 for me, a.m., and I set an alarm for like 4 to wake up and check the score at halftime because I had to work next day, blah, blah, blah. I told a couple friends and my dad, I was like, if, they're, if the game is great in the beginning, just send me like five texts so I wake up, so I'll hear it. So I woke up at 4. I didn't even ch- have to check the score. I just checked my phone. I had a text from my dad that said, don't watch it. Then, then another text like ten minutes later that said, "Oh my God, do not watch it." Just to, to break your phone, do everything you can and not hit your eyeballs on it. I uh, I was caddying for a friend of mine, um, Arizona, uh, a few years back, and snuck into the Sweet Sixteen, and I was caddying for a friend of mine, and uh, I was and I was missing the game, and I knew right when we finished there'd be about five minutes left, so uh, we finished, and I ran over to the the score ten area where they had a TV. And it wasn't on. And we were in Arizona, and I was kind of going, that's really weird. I think we were losing by, like, 44 points or something. <laughs> and they'd even taken the game off in Arizona, and it was an Arizona game. I went, yeah, it's probably a good, probably a smart move by CBS there. All right, so over under three and a half, all right? Over under three and a half, how many shots Patrick Reed is going to win by? Oh, I mean, i got to go under. I mean, uh, I mean. Uh, I, it, you know what I want to see, and and this is on a list. If I did like ten things that I'm excited about at the majors this year, not just the Masters, I'm excited for him to get in the hunt. I want him to get in the hunt at one major. I want to see how he handles the pressure of those instances because we've seen how he does it um, in in like a regular PGA Tour event. Um, but does he keep that confidence? You know, does it does it get to him? Is he is he rattleable? You know, no. that's my question about Patrick Reed. I feel like here's my theory on Reed. I think I may have said this on prior podcast was like what he like the when he won the Cadillac and he came out and said the top five comments, like that's what he is. That's truly just who he is. And he you know, maybe might not be the best schooled guy in the media or, you know, the best most approachable guy amongst other other players, but that's just just how he is. He's just you know, gonna tell you how great he is. And he was kind of rattled by the backlash that happened after that. And he had a pretty shitty summer after that. I mean, he did not play well um, summer of 2014. And I feel like he got all that swagger back at the Ryder Cup. Like, yeah. all of it. Absolutely all of it. Shushing the crowd. You know, he did not. I don't even think he knows the U.S. lost the Ryder Cup. I mean, he, he was. <laughs> I, pretty, I think Shane Ryan made the joke that he's surprised that, uh, that Reed wasn't over there partying with the Europeans at the end of it. Because right. he probably felt like he won. And, I mean, since then, he's been on just an absolute tear. I think he finished second at the Hero World Challenge. He won the the Hyundai Tournament of Champions. He almost won the Valspar. And he's he's down to 20-1 to 1 to win the Masters right now. Um, his post-round interview, if he won the Masters, oh it might God. get better ratings than uh, than the, the actual tournament. Oh, my like, God. It, 
it, I I would record it and just leave it on my DVR for weeks. You know what I'm saying? I think I, I may like, have to I may have to have like ten draft tweets ready just in case this happens. <laughs> like I need to be fully prepared for this scenario if this happens because I've already I I told you this back in September. I got him at a hundred to one to win the Masters. And if he wins, I'm I'm going to Thailand. I'm literally booking a trip to Thailand. So <laughs> it's going to be the the Hangover Four movie nobody wanted to see. Um, yeah, no, I I mean, and it's a great possibility. I mean, again, he's in my top five of names I think have a great chance at this tournament. Uh, that being said, I do think I'd put him of that list probably last because um, I don't think Spieth or Jimmy Walker, or Bubba will shoot themselves out of the tournament. I could see them um, finishing 8th or 10th or something like that, but I don't see them going out and shooting like 76 on Friday. So who's in those five? It sounds like you have these five set. I mean, I, I, I really like Ustase in this, 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 uh, next week. I think, I think there's a really good chance um, that he could sneak away with another major. I think he's played well enough on this golf course before, and if you just look at his finishes this year, he, he seems healthy and he's been in contention a lot. Um, I think he's flying majorly under the radar um, because, you know, if you think about it, the weird thing about this, this Masters is uh, a month and a half ago, all the talk was Rory. A month and a half ago, all of it was about Rory's Grand Slam. Now it's about will Tiger play, and nobody's talking about Rory, you know, because Rory hadn't played well. Um, you know, he's not really going, going into it with that same buzz he had uh, leaving the PGA Championship and such. And um, there's some other names that have floated at the top, but uh, will Tiger play or won't he? is the number one storyline, and I think there's some other ones that are there, but um, all these guys that are going into it that are playing well that you and I kind of pay attention to aren't really even in the conversation, and I think that even includes, includes Roy to a point. Yeah, I mean, I think that the number one topic obviously should be whether or not Reed is going to win the Grand Slam this year. But Yeah, well, uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That's, other than that's that. That's what I've been talking but about. No, so I just looked it up, and you're spot on about Ustazen. This has gone completely over my head, but he's finished his four starts this year, tied for 14th, 6th, he missed the cut at the Valspar and then finished tied for ninth at Bay Hill. And we, I mean, we know he was in the playoff with, with Bubba in 2012 and was, uh, was you know, stabbed with, through, with a trident through the chest by Bubba's wedge uh, out of the whatever pine straw number 10. Still not ready to talk about that. But um, that's, an, that's an interesting one. I just feel like he's one of those guys that every time I got back to him, in either fantasy or betting, like he has just burned it to the ground, like not even just completely ejected. That I've always really hesitated to get behind Usti, but that's an interesting one. He's definitely flown under the radar, but he's still only fifty to one. I would have thought you could have got him at a better price than that. I, I agree, and I mean, you know, you have to. Ser- I mean, do I think Lee Westwood's going to win the Masters? No, but I just by his finishes at this tournament. Um, if you were in one of those five or six people pool, I think picking Lee Westwood's a smart move. I mean, he finishes in the top eight, I think, in four of his last five Masters. I mean, um, he's a guy that, for whatever reason, plays well here. And again, I don't think he's going to win the Masters. You don't think he's going to win the Masters, but I think he could be um, there somewhere around that top eight um, position again. If, if you're in one of those pools where you get points for something like that, it's funny you said that. You know, you assume that I don't think he's going to win the Masters. You're right. I don't think he is, but yeah, I definitely have a ticket for Lee Westwood as well. So. <laughs> Just burn that now. You can burn that if you need fire or anything. Sixty-five to one. Sixty-five to one. That's Come on. crazy. I mean, that's there's like I said, better than one in sixty-five chance that he wins this thing. But I think we're getting close. If we just if we name like ten more guys, we'll have everyone covered that can win it, and that way we it's, can point back to like, oh, look at the thirty-seven minute mark of this podcast. We called the winner. Really good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Actually, there was a guy um, at back nine that was on one of the other shows. Um, he was like a behind the scenes guy, super cool kid, um, but he did this prediction thing every week, and he'd predict like twelve winners, and I'd be like. Dude, yeah, I mean, like, I could throw 12 names out there and probably get, you know, a winner right once every three tournaments, you know? I mean, that's yeah. like that's like, that's like 12% of the field. That, <laughs> it's like, that's what we finally started, at least. We do a preview every week, and we, we make picks in it. And I at least started to put a tracker in there just to show that, I mean, yeah, like, I do the same thing. I never know, like, I read other people's picks and whatnot, but I have no idea what their track record is. Or, like, it, it's one thing if you're just, like, making picks and, and uh, I mean, I don't claim to be a betting expert at all. I think I just think it's fun. But it's one thing to like just make picks and you know pretend that you are an expert. I don't. I hope I don't come off as pretending to be an expert. I just think it's fun to fun to bet on. But it's important to know like whether or not like yeah. Everyone's always like, oh, did you see me? I I, I said to bet on Jimmy Walker this week. It's like. Well, yeah, he's eight to one, and you also picked six other guys. It's like right. what, what your profit would be ten dollars off this if you bet ten dollars on each of them. So, 
Yeah, way, way, way to go. Really out on adventure out. So, okay, if we were going to rank the storylines of the Masters, if we are going to rank storylines like one through three, um, what's your top storyline um, on Sunday evening or whatever at Augusta? And, and, and don't say Tiger winning. Because... <laughs> All right, so what's my number two? Um, I, it's, number one storyline's got to be Rory. I mean, not, not only will he complete the career Grand Slam with a win, he will be have the chance at the Rory, the Rory Slam. He will have a chance to go four in a row at the U.S. Open, and we'll be doing this whole thing all over again. So, I mean, that that's clearly uh, got to be the number one. Number two is definitely going to be Anir Ban Lahiri for me. Um, yeah, yeah, same. That was my that was that was that was one A for me. <laughs> one A for me. He's the thirty fifth ranked player in the world. Something I like saw that. that yesterday. I was looking through that. You can't even bet him to win the Masters on sportsbook. His odds aren't even listed. Like <laughs> something's wrong with the official, like, the, with the world golf rankings. Like it they're is, the worst. It is. Why go- do they? They're just so horrible. They just don't make any sense. You get points for like t- tournaments that they don't even consider tournaments. Like I don't, none of it makes any sense to me, and I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just so confusing. It, it, the the world part is where they really screwed up. I think in general it has the right idea that your performances should be judged up against your peers, you know. And if you are beating a lot of your peers that are top ranked, you should get more points, etc. But where they lose me is like the winner of. Uh, so Madeira, the Madeira Islands Open got canceled, but the winner of that event was going to get more world rank, world ranking points than Henrik Stenson got for finishing one shot out of the playoff at the Valspar. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. It's it's I mean, quite I, flawed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 crazy. But so I mean, it's like is I mean, you again, you can't say Tiger, but I mean, is Jordan is Spieth winning right there? Is that like three? I mean, is that is that a is that a yeah, I, it, will I think that so. take over headlines in 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 sports media? That de- like I always say, is that going to be on PTI? Like, are the PTI guys on ESPN going to talk about that on Monday? They should. I can't promise it, but I, I think that was probably yeah. So if we're talking the, the the most likely news to hit the mainstream, it would maybe be Phil was probably up there. You know, if yeah. Phil were to make a run and win it, um, I don't like the chances of that necessarily. But <laughs> no. Um, because uh, I, I still I feel like it just takes so much for a player to be recognized in the main like in the mainstream media. It's almost like an unfair rite of passage, you know. I still don't think Rory's fully there. I mean, like I don't watch ESPN ever, but like I, I don't think they're talking about Rory leading up to the Masters. They're talking about whether or not Tiger's going to play. Like mm-hmm. it's it's all. Uh, uh, I don't know. For me personally, it's Spieth. Um, I'd also love to see Fowler. You know, and obviously I'd love to see Kepka. I mean, that's the thing. Somebody asked me that in the mailbag. Uh, J- Jake Nichols actually did. He asked me the best three-way possible battle on Sunday. Patrick Reed, who and who. He knows me really well because he knows I would have put Reed up there no matter what. But uh, So I just do like a power rankings of guys I would like to see with him. And honestly, I could name like 15 guys that I would like to see him right. up there with him. Like, and, and I'm not even positive Jimmy Walker's on that list. You know, and he's, yeah, won, well, he's I know. won five times in 18 months. Like... I don't know. The game is it, like you look back to where the game was. You, you remember? I think you and I talked about this last year around this time about how poor of a state the game was in at this time a year ago. Like we were all looking around for who was going to win the Masters, and you and I both agreed it's Sergio's time. Like this has to be Sergio, right? And <laughs> of course, he missed the cut. We were we were we we've been drinking heavily though. Heavily we were talking about for that. months yeah. for absolutely yeah, yeah, months. It was a lot. It was a lot of drinking. But I mean, um, but like now if it's... I ever say that again, you you cut the pot off immediately. If that is that okay? If I say I think Sergio's going to win, unless it's a British Open, will you cut that off and just and just not have me on anymore? But why can't he win? <laughs> really, why can't? Well, I mean, I'd love if he won. I like Sergio. I'm just saying, if I ever say that again, um, you know, when you when you look at the sample size, <laughs> the guy's played in you know thirty or forty some odd majors and been really close and couldn't pull it off. You kind of go, eh, maybe just stay away from him as my one pick. To be fair, I did also pick uh, two or three years ago. I picked Matteo Manicero to win the Masters. Um, so uh, that was uh, that was an interesting venture out that didn't quite work out. I don't think he made the cut. I think he shot seventy eight on Thursday. Why do you hate money that much? You could well, actually was, you could still talk me into Sergio right now. If you like in ninety seconds, you could talk me into betting on what, Sergio. What about Matteo Manicero? Um, is it Matteo or is it Matteo? 
Uh, I, I've always said Maddie. Yeah, it's one of those names I, mean, I only like know. I've talked on yeah. TV about it or anything. So it's <laughs> it's nice. one of those names I, uh, I I never I only know from reading because I don't I don't watch enough European Tour golf because their events get canceled. But uh, yeah, anyways, exactly. Um, no, I think uh, I, I, Phil and Todd do the other no laying up guys. They they love Sergio. And I guarantee they have money on him at forty to one, right? Because he was thirty to one last year and we bet on him. So I mean, yeah, it's just again. If he was the, the the problem with betting on him is, if if he was there on Sunday with a two shot lead with four holes to go, you would still be super nervous about winning. He would not be the odds on favorite at that point. I don't. Think. Right. Right. <laughs> he, yeah. Ex- exactly. He would need be, those be, sixteen scramble guys to come in and help him finish. The, it'd be Lydia Ko. She'd be the favorite. <laughs> is yeah? What are the odds on Lydia Ko for the Masters? Uh, not on the Masters, but the major this week. She's nine to two to win. She's the favorite. I mean, she's 17 years old. I do not understand how more people don't talk about this. I, I, like, I, I don't really – I think I saw a tweet today. I don't remember who it was that said it. It was like that Tiger hadn't played in a major until he was 19. And then it kind of really hit me how young Lydia Ko is. Like, it really is absurd. I'm sorry. I live abroad. I don't I – it's hard for, enough for me to watch PGA Tour golf, so I definitely don't watch LPGA golf while I'm here. But it has been one of the more ridiculous things to follow in the golf world, but people really don't talk about it that much. Hey, you know how you said you it took you to realize that Tiger didn't play till he was 19, and that's how you realize how young she was? Yeah. Um, it took me thinking back to when I was 17 and thinking about how much of a moron I was oh and how little ability I had to even do anything. I couldn't finish a job. I mean, if my dad was like, hey, go mow the lawn, <laughs> I would mow, like, the lawn, but it would be pretty shitty. And she, like, closes multiple, like, ten tournaments out. I... It is. It, it's just like I scratch my. It. It kind of almost keeps me up at night sometimes when I think <laughs> about like we have a seventeen-year-old dominating uh, the the women's side of golf and nobody cares. And I'm sorry. I I don't care if she doesn't appeal or whatever. I just think it's amazing. And I mean, you know, it's just. I wish that more people just looked like my face looks right now when. Um, when we talked about Lydia Ko. <laughs> Are we sure this isn't like a Danny Almonte situation and she's like actually 24? Like, it's really not like that humanly possible to be that good at that age. Like, if and this... she hits it far. Oh, I know. Like, she hits it pretty far. I know. It's absurd. I, I mean... It's amazing. I mean... There's no one even like... Again, I don't follow the LPGA as closely as I should, but there's no one even like within four or five years of age, like older than her, right? That is even competing with her. Am I right in saying well, like, that? Le- I think Lexi's twenty one or twenty two. That's true. That's true. Lexi, um, yeah. She, you know, she she has. I mean, I mean, I think I think she has like six more LPGA wins or pro wins than Lexi. I mean, it's crazy. But um, I just I don't know. I mean, I, we're venturing away from the Masters, which obviously the focus. But um, I just it's I, I think Lydia Ko should be mentioned on everything when people talk about golf, even if it's just somebody in the back, like a fan in the back, just screams her name. I'd be okay with it. Well, I told you I have a lot of uh, open tickets on the Masters. I do actually have a Lydia Ko Masters ticket. So was it? Did, did, did you bet? You bet that? At, <laughs> I, you bet that at like a smoke shop in Amsterdam or what? <laughs> Eleven to two to win the Masters. I have one of those as well. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Good luck with that one. You might want to frame that. So I got another good question that came in my mailbag this week. Um, I think it was from Chris Cheney wrong fairway on Twitter. Um, he asked like what I, what, what I would do. So the the playoff at Augusta is hole 18 and hole 10 for eternity until it's settled. How would you structure the play a playoff at the masters? I mean, 13, 15 back and forth. Just those two. Yes. Or play or play amen corner. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. 10 should be in a playoff at the masters. Like I should be flying commercial airliners. Like I, why is 10 involved? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's a really hard par four. I mean, that's why. I don't understand at all. It's lo- it's logistics only, I think. I mean, it's right there next to 18 green. At that point, if you have already played 18, then you need you got to be getting close to battling the sunlight. So I'm guessing you just go right there to 8. That's my only guess, but... Well, you know what's weird? They have these. Uh, they have these new inventions. Oh, here golf we go. Golf uh, carts. Yeah. Yeah, they're called buggies. Some people call them. <laughs> buggies. Basically, what happens is it can get you to and from places quicker, and uh, and your caddy can hang on the back, and they could just zoom right over to like twelve T or you know anything like that. Think about the patrons, Bacon. Come on, it's all about the patrons. If anything, the Masters has taught you that it's all about the patrons, and they don't want them sprinting out there back to Amen Corner. But I'm with you. I, I proposed in the mailbag. I said four hole playoff. 
12, 13, 15, 16. It's 12. Say it again. 12, 13, 15, 16. I like it. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing about your playoff idea is it takes 12 out, which you could catch like a, a weird gust or something like that. Granted, I mean, 12 is. No, I said know, 12 is in it. 12 is in it. 12 is oh, the first so hole. Oh, it's 12, 13, 15, 16. Okay. Yeah, four hole aggregate. Yeah. Because I like 16 being in there. See, but I don't like, I think you need a par four. I, I mean, you know, like you're just going par three, par five, par five, par three. Well, here's the quiet, the, the thing that I don't, people don't really like to talk about with Augusta is. I actually don't think there's a good par four on the back nine there, though. I'm ducking. I'm ducking under the table right now because it's a yeah, fire. Good luck on getting that no laying up credential that's in a couple <laughs> of years. That's not happening. Yeah, anymore. like Augusta's going to credential us. I, mean, <laughs> I I called the Masters when I was in college. Uh, Ricky Barnes had had, had uh, won the USAM and he got in, mm-hmm. and I was writing for the school newspaper and I called the Masters to try to get into credentials. And I will give them credit. The lady was extremely nice on the phone after she had laughed a little bit. But she was just telling me some of the publications that come after credentials. And uh, uh, needless to say, they get quite a bit. Yeah. And, uh, and they have to turn a lot of people down. So I'm, I'm, pr- I'm probably right up there with Chris Berman and Gary McCord as far as my on the, on the priority list. But right. I, am, yeah. I, am, I am there on the waiting list. But, no, there's not a par four on the back nine that I think would make a great playoff hole. I mean, I, mean, I, I think 18 I think 18 is a great hole. I mean, I think 18 is a lot of fun. I mean, I think 18 takes um, – you know, it, it makes you hit a great tee shot, and uh, and you have to hit something out there, and then the green is uphill, and you got it. I mean, I don't. I honestly, I wish the pin was back right on Sunday, just because I think all those balls feed towards it, and maybe they want dramatics. But um, you know, it was like in '86 when when Nicholas had that, you know, he hit that ball in the front of the green. He had that two putt to that back right pin. Um, to me, that's uh, it, it's a better pin to make somebody hit a golf shot to win a tournament, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that, but I, I actually my. I think the pin is the only redeeming part of 18 on Sunday. I think that makes it exciting on an otherwise pretty boring hole, if you ask me. Just by nature, for the most part in golf, 18th holes are, I think, criminally overrated for the most part. And they're, they're not as good holes because the geography, of course, is makes you go back uphill. to the Unless it's, we're talking about like Kapalua, who, where you work your way uphill until you finally reach the crescendo and go downhill in 17-18. But like... Just in general, golf courses run away from the clubhouse, and you have to come back to it. And I just hate the fact that the second shot is this blind shot, and it, it, it's all based on – you can't really spin the ball because you're hitting so far uphill, and you kind of have to just rely on the slope, kind of you know funneling your ball down there. I think they do just want like a 20-foot putt like with for all the marbles. Every, every, like, every year, yeah. yeah. They, just, they want that same putt that they all hit, unless you're Cabrera, who somehow in this Stuck world it. hit it to a foot. Yeah, Stuck it. So, but I mean, no, I, I think the, the a playoff of 12, 13, 15, and 16 is like the part, the 12 is going to test your nerves right off the bat. You can hit the eject button right then and there, hit a shank like what Peter Hansen did in 2012 or whatever. Um, so you got to hit that nervy shot over water. Then you got to hit some gutsy shot. You can't hide on, on, th- on 13 or 15. You got to go for both those greens. And 16 is a pretty easy pin on Sunday as well. And the water's really not that much in play. Uh, don't tell it to Greg Norman, but um, I don't know. I think that'd be awesome. I don't think you could logistically do it because I think the leaders tee off at like three o'clock on Sunday. Right. Uh, that's probably too many holes to play with the daylight, but that would be a lot more exciting than eighteen and ten back to back to back to back. Well, and 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 I mean, give us more Augusta. I mean, you know, yeah. we 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 want more Augusta. I mean, we want as much as we can get. I mean, I'd I'd love. To, I, I wish they do it too. I. I, it's a bummer that that the most anticipated major of the year is the only one that does sudden death. You know, I just wish they'd. They, 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 I mean, to me, it's winning a Masters is such a big deal that a fluky snap hook wedge um, shouldn't doom your chances at not only winning that week and winning a major, but um, all that comes with winning uh, the Masters. That's why, to me, we've seen so many choke jobs at this major, especially, is because everybody knows this isn't just winning one major. This is winning a tournament that you know you can go back to the rest of your life, and you get to go to the Champions Dinner forever, and you're kind of uh, allowed to go back. I mean, to me, that's uh, that was. That was what I thought was cool about that Feinstein book was, you know, just hearing about Lynn Matisse, you know, after the Mike Weir playoff, you know. I mean, I think we, we I think you and I talked about this last year around this time about how um, Matisse, like Weir was dining at the Champions Dinner last year and Matisse was like playing some like qualifier for he was, a web. He was, wasn't he playing like the web yeah. last year? That's what it was. Um, if... We should get thirty bucks every time we mention Lynn Matisse. Do you think we could talk to his agent? Does he have an agent? You need to Google it. Look on uh, who represents who.com and we're gonna 
We're going to see if Lynn Matisse will toss us 30 bucks when we mention his name. You know we're getting near the end of one of our podcasts when you either hear one of the following names. Michael Campbell. Oh, God. Va- we hadn't mentioned him. <laughs> we hadn't mentioned him. Von Taylor. We had no Von Taylor or Brett Wetterick shout-outs this time around. No Chris Riley. And here we are at minute, what, we're about 44 minutes in. And there it was. We had the Lynn Matisse reference. It had to happen. All right. So, so since we're winding down, let me ask you this, Mister. You you look at all the names and find the best numbers. Uh-oh. What is your, in your opinion, what's your kind of like a hundred to one or worse long shot that you think will at least be in the hunt on the weekend? Um, I have been saying this for a little while, um, and he's been playing really poorly. So it's uh, it, actually it's Chris Kirk. Um, I've actually bet him a while ago in one of my 50 tickets I have that at like 85 to one, I was talking, I don't remember who, I think it was, uh, I think his name's Mike Miller at smart golf bets. And he does like an, he has like a, a master sheet where he kind of calculates his own prices and compares them to, you know, who are the, what the odds currently are. And he just, he had Kirk at like 40 to one about a month ago at his own price. And it was like the biggest differential in what the books had versus his own calculations. I think he was factoring in, you know, driving distance and right to left ball flight, et cetera. And I just, I was like, okay, I'm on board with this. And I, I, I just started talking myself into Chris Kirk. He's not played very well at all. If I'm not mistaken, though, I think he had a good tournament at Valero. Um, but that, that's kind of the one guy, the one long shot that I feel like, you know, he, he, he could make an appearance. I don't think he's going to, uh, he's as likely to make the cut as he is. To contend, but uh, right. I, think I could talk myself in. I've talked myself into him at least a little bit. I mean, is is Charles Howell the third at five hundred to one? Like just a just a burn your ticket bet. I mean, the guy grew up here, right? I mean, is he in the field? I mean, he's on the he's on the list five hundred to one. But I think so. There, there's some guys on the list that aren't still in the field. I don't think because. You can technically still get like a no action if you don't make it in the field right. and you get your bet returned. So okay, I don't know. What's, okay, so so how many top tens in Charles Howell's career? His first uh, major was the 2001 U.S. Open. How many top tens do you think Charles Howell the third has had in major championships in his career? Oh, ago? major championships. Um, zero. Ooh, you were close. It's one. Okay, and it was a tied for tenth. <laughs> and it was at a PGA Championship. Um, yeah, so so you were. I couldn't have been I, any closer. Give, you know what? You get the benefit of the doubt. I couldn't you, have been you, any closer there. Yeah, you, you win. All right, so yeah, I think if we've gotten to if we've gotten to Charles Howell, unless you have any other hot fire takes or burning questions remaining remain for the Masters. Let so. me really quick. Hold on one second. Let me hear your thoughts on Brendan DeJong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is, I just trying to trying to think of the most random guy on here. Um, I was like, okay, I do I, not have a take prepared for Brendan DeYoung. No but. hot take. Uh, Tim Clark also not going to play the Masters. So uh, this 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 tournament is really losing superstar after. Superstar. I need, I need to. I'm scrapping all 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 metrics and mathematics I've been looking at because losing Tim Clark really throws this and that makes it this entire tournament's wide open now. But. I, I totally agree. Uh, the, the the ratings are going to plummet too. It's it's a it's a bummer, but. Um, Hey, always enjoy coming on the podcast. It's always a lot of fun. I do have um, one. Talked, I do have one more. Sorry, I we, just, we did. We did talk ahead. gambling a lot too. By we the did. Way. If uh, disclaimer, if gambling was were legal, this entire yeah, podcast. That's but right. I do have one more question that was from my mailbag as well that uh, you wedge wrote in. This could be Steve Stricker's last Masters. Isn't this kind of a weird end end ish of a career? I mean, I, I always found Steve Stricker really fascinating and. It seems interesting to me. He's been a world-class player for the better part of almost like eight or nine years now, I feel like. And this is kind of a, a weird ride off into the sunset. I, 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 to, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, uh, I always thought he might win a major. But, you know, it's weird. He can kind of be clutch during the Ryder Cup. And obviously we've seen him be clutch um, at regular tour events. Uh, I mean, namely every time he's won the John Deere, but um, breaking my heart against Kyle Stanley. Yeah, he's, God, damn. he's he's never, he's never just, it just doesn't ever seem like he can, he, he has it going at majors. I don't know what it is. I mean, he hits it straight. He's got a great short game, but um, yeah, it does seem kind of strange. I mean, he's riding off into the sunset. He's playing this week. What is he? Hadn't played since December, right? Yeah. Um, I think it was just what he played Tigers event or did he even play Tigers event? I don't know. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, he's, he's 48 years old. I mean, I will say, 
I do have a little bit of respect for guys that are just kind of like, eh, it's okay, I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, like, and he's, he's, he's like that. I mean, he wants to hang with his family and do some other stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of the times I think with professional athletes, we go, what do you do when you're a pro athlete? And then you kind of look back and go, well, you know, he's made a, you know, he's made 50 million bucks or whatever, or more. And, um, you know, it's been pretty competitive. So, uh, I mean, he's won 12 PGA tour events. It's pretty, pretty crazy to think that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, he'll play next year, right? If he's healthy, don't you think? Will he be qualified? Uh, I mean, if he if he plays a little bit more this year, I guess that's a that's a good point. I mean, I guess he has to qualify to get in. I I, I don't know how he's in this. I think he maybe he's on the world ranking points, but I mean, I I, I agree with what you're saying. I think I, he is. I wrote this in the mailback as well. I mean, most athletes in general, by the time they're 48, your career's over. You know, golf is right. the one career where where you know it can go on forever, basically. And he can still go play the Champions Tour, and can, he'll lap people out there. But I don't picture him as a guy that's going to want to go out there, you know, and visit Mark Rolfing in Hawaii. Like I just don't, I don't see him making a lot of trips for the Champions Tour. I respect him for you know just kind of saying you know I've made a shit ton of money, I'm fine, just you know hanging out with my family. I don't want to go across the pond and play the British Open. Although I do feel like he thinks that you still have to like take a boat across to play yeah, the British Open. Seriously, dude. Jump on Tiger's plane, y'all are like best friends. <laughs> you get there in like six hours on like a bed. Like seriously, like, like yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you're not paddling, you know. And you're not you're not getting over there and they're making you sleep in the pro shop, you know. I mean, it's like you know, get a room at the Old Course Hotel, uh, have a scotch before dinner, and get a good night's sleep. And um, his short game seems like it would work over there. I totally agree with you. Uh, I, you know what? It, it, what what was the old plane that would take like three hours to get across the pond, but it was like had all the mechanical issues? Oh, I have no no earthly idea. It, it, that maybe when they stopped flying that, he kind of got bummed out. But I mean, it's like uh, the Concorde. But like, it, it's it's like whatever reason, yeah, he thinks, uh, oh man, I can't go over there now. That's going to be way too long. I mean, he flies cross country. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what it takes about as long to fly from the East Coast to the West Coast as it does to get to Scotland, basically, maybe an hour longer. But. Yeah, I mean, my Philly flight to LA the other day was like six, and I mean, from where I live now in sunny Hartford, Connecticut, to get a uh, to get over to, to to England would probably be about the same. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's about a thirty-five minute flight for me, not to rub it in, but yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. So, all right, that's it. We've named every single possible player that can win the Masters and Anirban Lahiri. So. I think it's time to wrap up the. Uh, yeah, this and we get and we get and we get flight. We got flight advice as well, which is really helpful at the end. If you guys need any more flight advice, you can hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'm at Shane Travel Advisor, and uh, it's really I'm I'm really down to just you know yeah ex- Expedia you up and down. If you guys have any other ideas on or you know you want to hint up, give us some hints on how long certain flights take, we would love your feedback on that because. <laughs> and, and but just tell us the hour. Just write like three hours, but don't tell us. What you know, like what airport it is between? It, it'll make for great Twitter fodder. I'm really excited. <laughs> All right, on behalf of Von Taylor, Brett Wetterick, Michael Campbell, <laughs> uh, thank you, Shane. Uh, you guys can follow Shane at Shane Bacon on, on Twitter. You guys probably are doing that, but uh, we will catch up maybe sometime after the Masters and uh, talk about what jacket size Patrick Reed is wearing. Oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Shane. Talk to you soon. For sure, anytime. Later. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.